In preparing for the, today, I thought um, I'd love to share one of the things I really love in life a lot with you guys this morning, and uh, also something that had a great impact on my life uh, so far. And uh, if I have my way, it will probably continue having an impact on me. And that's, uh, I have a great love for coffee. I don't know if you knew that about me. <laughs> so before I go into my love of coffee, I'd like to just have also a disclaimer in there and say, I also like rebos tea. So don't not invite me to your home because you don't have a espresso maker or a mocha pot or something interesting. I love rebos tea. I really do. It's not an insult when I say I'd like to have some rebos tea. I drink it at home all the time as well. There's only so much coffee that one person can drink and still sleep. But coffee's had quite a significant impact on my life. When I was actually too young to drink coffee, <laughs> I was probably about 12 years old. And uh, I have an older brother. He's five years older than me. And uh, one day he came to me and said, listen, uh, I'm going to Cape Town to drink some coffee. And I said, yeah. He said, yeah, come with me. And I went, really? Yeah. So we went with a bus from our home down to the station in Belleville, uh, took a train to Cape Town City, and we walked. In Cape Town, if you arrive with a train, then uh, you're in a building that connects to the Golden Acre. And back then... The Golden Acre was the only big center in Cape Town, in the Western Cape. And um, we walked, we arrived in the station, and we walked into the Golden Acre. And as you walked into the Golden Acre, to this day, on the right-hand side, there's a little coffee shop, sort of like hidden away. It's a little hole in the wall almost. And, uh, and we went to that shop to drink coffee. It was the only coffee shop in South Africa that roasted their own beans at the time. And, uh, and my brother took me there. He was 17, I was 12, and he paid for everything. He paid for our tickets and uh, treated me to some coffee. It was the best thing ever. Um, <laughs> I actually get emotional <laughs> if I think about it. It wasn't the coffee that I'm getting emotional about. It's the memory of spending a day with my brother. And uh, it was awesome. And it set something in motion in my life. I, I loved coffee since that day. But it's because I had such a great time. It was all connected. It wasn't just the coffee. It was sitting in a coffee shop. It was filled with smoke. Back then, you could smoke in restaurants. I don't think you could see somebody at the next table. You could sometimes hear them, but definitely not see them. There was just smoke everywhere. I'm so glad people aren't allowed to smoke in coffee shops anymore. But that was definitely something that went together. It also set me off on a thing. I, I started smoking quite soon after that. I, it might have been, I, I think I had so much secondary smoke, I could have just as well smoked myself. So I, I might have assumed that that was the same thing. But it was interesting. Like, it's, it's, it's been quite there. So to make a good cup of coffee, I only found this out later. Here's, here's some coffee. Uh, that we had today. So on this thing, there's a cappuccino, a latte, an espresso, a mocha, a chocolate. Uh, there's no flat white here, no. No, no. 
this cup can't get a flat white. Those are all espresso-based coffees. So let me tell you, it's like to make a good cup of coffee doesn't start in the coffee shop. It starts somewhere way up in Africa or Brazil. And, uh, and then farm coffee beans. So first you need a good coffee bean. And then that coffee bean needs to be harvested. It needs to be processed. It's quite difficult to get the bean out of that coffee. I, I did that once. Uh, somebody sent me some coffee, like fresh coffee, in, in the berry still from uh, Zambia. And I took the husk off and I roasted it myself. And then I made one cup of coffee. I think it took me like six hours. And I could make one cup of coffee from it. It was sort of mediocre, to be quite honest. <laughs> but it was an experience. I did it. Everything from the husk through to, to the cup of coffee. But you've got to have a good bean to make a good cup of coffee. Then you have to roast it. So you can roast it differently. You can heavily roast it. You could just lightly roast it. And it all depends on that combination between the bean that you have and how you roast it, whether the flavor is going to be nice or not nice. Is it going to be bitter? Is it, would there be sweetness? Would there be flavor and aroma in it? Then something that people very often overlook is the water quality that you're going to make the coffee from. Because if there's a taste in the water, then that taste is going to be in the coffee. Even so subtle, but it'll be there. So the water is quite important. And then the method of making it. That's the other thing. So there are many ways of making a good cup of coffee. Many people think there's only one way, but there are different ways of making coffee. Espresso is only one way. You can make a mocha pot. It's a thing you put on the stove, and it sort of bubbles the water through. It's got a, it's got a, um, it's got, it's, it's similar to espresso, but it carries quite a bit of uh, ca- of caffeine in it, which is the good stuff. And uh, what are the other ways? You can drip, filter. You could do a pour over, it's similar to a, to, a, to a filter coffee, which is what you have this morning, yeah? Uh, let me see my notes here on, on making coffee. Uh, what am I missing? Drip, French press, pour overs, AeroPress. Who's got an AeroPress? We have an AeroPress. Only, ah, there's more, one more. Oh, eh, there's another AeroPress. See, now the coffee lovers are coming out. Does anybody have a siphon? No siphons. Ah, those are so cool. Have you seen the siphons? It's a, it looks like a science experiment. It's a little glass thing, and you, you light it at the bottom, and then when it reaches the right temperature, it actually sucks the water right through the coffee. And it makes a very smooth, rounded cup of coffee. I, I've had it twice. So you're wondering, like, where is he going with this coffee thing, Right. It's like, is he just going to say, okay, now let's all go to beans for coffee? <laughs> can you taste it? Can you, can you smell it, right? That, that flavor of coffee. It's an amazing thing. But just as we find very inventive and different ways to make a good cup of coffee, and just as it has an impact on our lives, uh, this morning I actually want to bring those two things I love, which together, it's like I have a great love for God and for the church. And for people. And uh, I'd love to bring those together today. 
and use all this when you drink a cup of coffee again. I'd love you to remember some of this. And, uh, and, and, and that coffee forever in your life will bring some concepts of the kingdom and the church to mind. So in church, when we get saved, there are a couple of different things that we can become. So the first thing you become is a saint. And the very important thing is that church's foundation is built on saints. Who are the saints? We're all the saints. If you've given your life to God, you qualify as a saint immediately. There's nothing you have to do after that. You've just accepted God into your life and you're called a saint. And a saint is very much exactly that. A saint is somebody that lives holy and perfect. That's what it speaks of. It's a saint, isn't it? Right? It's not, it's not the Catholic Church, it's the saints. You know that in the Catholic Church, they appoint some people to be saints. It's saint this and saint that. Actually, no, we're all saints. You can write that in front of your name from now on. Saint Thomas. Saint John. Saint Ruth. Saint Ruby. Saint Adi. Yes, you're all saints. And it speaks of a pure heart. It speaks of a desire to look for that purity. It looks for, as we look for pure beans, good beans, like from source, from all over the planet, and pure and good water, that's who you are. Once you've given your heart to the Lord, you become that. You become pure beans, good beans with good flavor. Clean water, that's who you are. That's who God makes you to be. Psalm 51 verse 10, it says, we must brew our faith with purity and devotion. Huh? God says he creates, he brews in you. He creates in you a pure heart. And he renews, makes new, a steadfast spirit. Something that's a spirit that is, that is reliant and reliable on God. So that's the first thing. You're, you're a saint. Never lose the wonder of being a saint. No matter what else you start doing. Whether you start doing AV, sound, worship, lead a community. Whatever you do. Whatever God calls you to in the life of, of the church and of being a Christian. Never lose the wonder. Be like a child always in your faith. Jesus said if we're not like children, we lose everything that we got. The moment you lose the wonder of faith and you overcomplicate that with too much of the world and too much systems, and because and you start relying on being a this or that in the church, then actually you've lost the purity of just giving your life to God, making Him everything in your life. That is the, really the foundation, the most important part of living our life for God. The next thing that we immediately become is what a coffee shop cannot live without, is a waiter. We're all waiters. 
in God's kingdom. We're all waiters in the church. A waiter is a servant. Because you can make the best cup of coffee, but somebody has to carry it to the person that sits at the table. A waiter is somebody that makes the cup of coffee but doesn't drink it. He just takes it to, to the people that's going to have the coffee. And for all of us, that's something we can do. We're all supposed to, in the life of the church, be a servant to each other. Galatians 5 verse 13 says, Just as we serve others, Here we go. It says, just as you, you have freedom, but it says, serve one another in love. So, first is that concept of being a saint, being freed from our sin. But we're supposed to serve one another. So, every time that you're in a coffee shop from now on and a waiter walks to you, remember that. That's a reminder of who you should be in the life of the church. Who are you serving? What are you serving in? What is it that you're doing? Because God's made you part of something. And the amazing thing is God's prepared good stuff for each one of us to do. He writes that in his word. He says, I have prepared good things for you ahead of time to do, to walk in. Find them. You have to find them. You've got to find what is it that you do in the life of the church. Each person here, nobody is disqualified from doing things in God's body. He's called you, he's prepared things for you. If you don't do them, they will go undone. You're not called to sit on a blue chair on a Sunday morning. That is not your calling. That is not why God called you. That is not why you're saved. I know that there's stuff for you to do because you're not dead yet. When you've done everything that you should be doing, God will come fetch you. It means you've completed your journey on this planet, and God's going, now you be with me. That's when he fetches us. But until then, you should actually be finding that thing that you should be doing that God has prepared for you. What is it? It's a wonderful journey. If you sit here and you feel... You feel, um, what's the word? If you feel that accused, oh my hat, I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. What am I going to, no, 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 no. No accusations. The Holy Spirit doesn't work in accusations. The Holy Spirit will say, ooh, you know what? You can do that. The Holy Spirit is called an encourager, not an accuser. The moment that there's an accusation popping up in your heart, That is not God. That's the devil coming in and saying, yeah, I told you. You should have. No, no. See, the Holy Spirit pops up in your heart and says, I told you, you can. So this morning, no single person sitting here is sidelined in God's plan. God has something for each one of us to walk in. And that brings me to the next thing is, we're all members. So I haven't got one thing yet that we're not all. <laughs> we're all members. So we read that in Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12. It says, the body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and, through, and though it 
all its parts are many. They form one body. I think if I go down, down somewhere, it'll actually say the word member. But the point there is, you're a member of God's body, of his church. You're not a member of the church when you've signed a document. You're not a member of the church. It's not like golf club membership or tennis club membership where your name is somewhere, you've paid a subscription fee, and now you get to share in the mutual benefits of membership. That's how, that's how a club or organization works, right? We all have a mutual thing we want to do. We want to all play tennis, but I can't build myself a tennis court. I don't have the space and definitely don't have the money to build one. But then we club together. That's where the whole idea comes from. We club together. We all put our resources together. Now we can own together, be members of a club, and share in the benefit. Church is not like that. Membership in church means that you become a finger on the body and that you now have a purpose. And without you, we can't continue. See, the tennis club will continue without you. If you've done your tennis for your life and you go, I'm no longer going to come to the tennis club, you stop paying and then you stop going. And you know what? The rest of the club can go on. They can still play tennis without you because they still have a common goal. The church, without you, actually has one part too little. It lacks you. You are essential to God's church being whole and walking in everything that God has for it. So not only are you not disqualified, you're absolutely necessary. And that's the same. Like Some people like single-origin coffee. Um, I'm more of a proponent of a little bit of a mix of coffee because different areas have different type of beans and it's when you start mixing those together that you blend some of the qualities of those beans together and God does that with us. He doesn't just take beans of one tree. He mixes us together. We're all different. We have different backgrounds. We even have different futures. We might not all live in Otsuren forever. Some people have to go back to PE, where the wind is blowing today. How do we know if the wind is blowing in PE? It's PE. It's always blowing. <laughs> but at least I've got lots of oxygen. <laughs> Sorry for you, but even we have more oxygen than you do. <laughs> the cleanest air in the whole of Africa, is it? Oh, it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah in Otsuren. The best water to make coffee from. <laughs> yeah, difficult. You can stay. We could find you a place to, to stay if you want to. <laughs> Not everybody can live in the promised land. <laughs> but God sources and he brings us together from different places. And he adds us to different parts, different places in the body of Christ. And it actually takes that diversity. That is what makes us a good cup of coffee to be served. Is that ch difference in us. 
So when you see coffee again in the shop, it says single origin. You can try it. You can see what, what the best coffee of Guatemala is or whatever. But I like the blends. And it's in us being a blend that actually we have different elements that God wants to put together. And, um, yeah, God's giving us gifts. It's an amazing thing. Ephesians 4.12 speaks about God's gifts. And he's placed something unique in each one of us that serves the rest. And it speaks about uh, 12 and then I think 13 goes on to, to naming some of, the, some of the gifts that God gave. And these are the administrative gifts over the church. They, uh, the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the teachers and I always miss a couple because uh, I go out of order. <laughs> but there are five things there. Which one are you? This is really the challenge this morning. Is which one are you? Which one are you? Are you, are you supposed to walk in the miraculous of the Holy Spirit? And that's something that a while back God has challenged me on greatly. Is... It's not a natural thing for me to just walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit always. But I've been challenged lately. How many people have you prayed for that have uh, become, uh, that, that, that were healed? So who's prayed for somebody that got healed? I, I have. Yeah, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Okay, so that's amazing. Okay, so let me ask you something. Who, who has never prayed for somebody to get healed? Never prayed for somebody. Gone to somebody, put his hand on and said, like, God, please heal this person. Who has never done that? There must be somebody. Come. Have you? Honestly. And they didn't get healed. Or they did. <laughs> Laying hands. Put your hands on somebody and pray for them to be healed. <laughs> I think here's the thing is and healing is just one of those things. I was actually challenged with this thing is that it says one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is miracles. It says big miracles, great miracles. Those are not healings. It says healing, and then it says great miracles. Kubis prays for people all the time, and they get healed mostly. <laughs> he also gives the medicine. It helps to know what to give people. But great miracles, guys. When last have you seen a great miracle? What, what would that even be? I don't know. I actually can't think of what it would be. It's, 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 if healing somebody, praying for somebody that's really sick, and they, and they miraculously get up and walk, let's say something that's visible, and, and they miraculously get up and they just healed and they walk, if that's not a miracle, what is? You know? Great miracles. I'm going to tell you, some of us, because God's put us together, 
as the body of, of, the, of the church, local expression in Otsurin, one of us sitting here should actually walk in that gift. It's one of us, but we're not doing it. It might be me. And can we all pray for people and can they get healed? Yes, we can. And we should. Will they get healed all the time? No, they won't. Why? I don't know. God knows. <laughs> he just says pray for them. And I do know that sometimes they get healed. Who's it? Um, Siakulisi. Uh, remind you of the World Cup. We're all champions. <laughs> but Siakulisi said this now recently. He said he had a, you know that he had a knee injury before the World Cup. He wasn't going to play in the World Cup. He's, he had a severe knee injury, and they said, actually, we don't think you're going to make it to the World Cup with this injury. And his wife put it on a Facebook status and asked people to pray for him. And people prayed for Sia Khaleesi all, all over South Africa. I think the New Zealanders prayed against him. <laughs> but the South Africans all prayed for Sia. And then Sia's testimony is this. He says that the doctors say that his knee got healed faster than they can explain it. Hey, come on. Because that's, his, that's God's testimony. It's not so that South Africa can have the Web Alice Cup. I don't, think, I don't think God's really interested in who's got the Web Alice Cup. Although, he did give it to us. Um, <laughs> so maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> but I'll tell you what God is, what is, God is interested. He's interested in everybody's salvation. And he's interested in people knowing how good and how great he is. And when somebody like Sia Kulisi stands up and say, I glorify God Almighty, the creator of the universe, the one that died on the cross for me. And the moment that he plays with Jesus on his, on his wrist like he does, God goes, I can use this guy. I'll heal his knee and the whole world can know. Responsibility goes back on that person to, yo, right? This is a, is a rough game. All of a sudden, if you get a yellow card, people go, ooh, and he calls himself a Christian, and he got a yellow card. <laughs> but does that sideline him from being a testimony to God? No, it doesn't. Not any mistake that he makes actually can sideline him from being a testimony to God. As long as you go, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I've made a mistake. I'm going to do better next time. God gets the glory. But you call to that. One of those things, one of those things, read the gifts of the Spirit, what they are, and then find what it is that God specifically made you talented in. You can walk in all of it, but you're probably better at something in it. And all of those gifts are wondrous things. Don't settle for the ones that you can do in your own power. You know that we would do that. I'm very hospitable. It's a gift of the Spirit. But could I do it on my own? I think I could. 
but can I, can I do some of the other stuff on my own? No. So I want to risk it and be out there and do some of the things that I definitely can't do on my own so that God can get the glory and not me. It's important for us. Without you, it'll be a single origin coffee. Without you, the blend won't be as good as it can be. And then the last one I've got here is, uh, is a role of leadership in the church. So there are some guys that lead in God's church. Bannett is an elder with me on team. Uh, we've got some community leaders. Let the community leaders just stand for me, the guys that are here. Dirk and Mandy are all out at the kids, with the kids. Sean, Stefan. So if you're not in a community, then you can talk to any one of these people, <laughs> including Thomas, <laughs> or Dirk and Mandy, who's not here. One, two, three, four, five, yeah. And then go to one of these groups on a, on a Wednesday. Why do we go to community on a Wednesday? Just so that we can be together in a smaller group. And yeah, when we, like 80, 90 people here, one person can talk at a time. Otherwise, it's just a noise. On a Wednesday, you can talk. On a Wednesday, you can share your life. And you should. On a Wednesday, you can share a cup of coffee and... You can actually make a cup of coffee. On a Wednesday, you can sit with others and, and, and share your life, share their life. That's the opportunity to be the gift that God has made you to be. It's not to sit in a blue chair. This, if this is our expression of church and it ends here when we walk out that door, it's very sad. Because how would the world know? How would the unsaved come in? And in the whole theme of today, you know who the leaders are of the church, right? We have some deacons as well. Can the deacons that are here stand? William is standing already. Sean, deacons, Shanae. Mario, is he at Children's Church as well? See, serving. Thanks. Are these the leaders with the elders, the de- deacons, community leaders? Actually, no. You just now know who they are. You are the leaders of God's church. If you've given your life to God, if you've made God your king, you immediately become qualified to lead others to him. Nobody is better qualified than the person that's experienced God once to go to the next person and say, can I introduce you? Can I lead you to Jesus? That's each and every one of us. You don't need to know fancy theology. You don't need to know half the verses in the Bible. All you actually need to know is Jesus. You need to have had one experience with with the Holy Spirit to be qualified to walk to the next person and say, follow me. Follow me where? I don't know. Just, I'm going to follow God. I have no idea where we're going to end up. You know what? You can lead people only to where you are going. 
We used to say you can only lead people to where you've been. But that's not true. I can lead somebody to where I want to go. So what qualifies you to lead somebody to Jesus is because you're following him. And you don't need to be perfect. In that, when we look at each other, and somebody speaks on a Sunday and brings a prophetic word or says something, we are very quick to look at them and say, yeah, but that guy went there and I saw him do that. And now he talks in the church. Huh? Isn't that what we do? And you know what that does? That disqualifies you from speaking. Because maybe people don't know what we've done wrong, but we do. And the moment that I look at others in that light, I look at myself in that light. And that might be what disqualifies you. It's just yourself. Change our view. And just follow Jesus. Be a leader. What does a leader do? So in my model of coffee, I'm going to make a leader the aroma of the coffee. And when you walk past a coffee shop, you smell the coffee. It's what attracts you. As you walk past it, it's that smell that comes out of the flavor of that coffee that comes through the door onto the sidewalk. And you just go, I was in a hurry, but I'm going to go into this coffee shop and sit down. You can smell a good cup of coffee like a mile away. You can almost taste it by smelling it, right? You, if, you, if you order a good cup of coffee, you, you smell it first, huh? Do you? Who smells their coffee before they drink it? I, I do. It's like, it's part of the experience. Beans in, in, in Oatsaran's very clever. They roast their coffee locally inside the store. Nothing beats the smell of that coffee bean being roasted and that, that vapor. You know, it's an oil that comes out of that coffee bean and it's, it's viscous. It, it means that it goes into, uh, into a, uh, what is it? Uh, a gas phase directly from being an oil straight into a gas phase. That's why coffee beans get stale if you leave them because all that oil actually evaporates out of them and then the beans got no flavor left. But when they roasted, some of that flavor in the, with the heat comes into the air and it drifts down High Street. <laughs> and everybody wants to go there. Everybody wants to go there. That is what we are leading in the church, each one of us. We're the flavor of God to the world. We are what people smell. And they go, it's a smell Onto life. For those that God calling, it says we're an aroma that leads people to the very life of God. Next time you smell coffee, remember what you are. You are that, you're that aroma that attracts others. When they see you, when they see your life, when they hear you speak, you are the flavor that brings them into the house. So, in our quest to make the perfect cup of coffee one day, or have it at least somewhere, 
whether it's kap, uh, kapil, what's that? Kapiluak. Kapiluak. Rumored to be the best coffee. I won't go into it. <laughs> Where it comes from. <laughs> but in that quest of searching for the best cup of coffee we can possibly have, what's more important is actually who we have the coffee with. If you go to the coffee shop, you see people sitting there doing their work. You see people hanging out. You see friends, friendships being formed. You see new couples staring into one another's eyes over a cup of coffee until it's cold. But that's actually the important thing. That's the attraction in the end. The attraction to it is actually the time that we spend together. It's the memories that we form. Is that sense of belonging, a sense of comfort and safety. I was talking to people in the, week, in the week, spending some time with guys over a cup of coffee. And I asked them a very direct, difficult question about their lives. And the uh, interesting thing is, the guy lied, and the girl told the truth. And I know why he lied. He lied to protect her. And she told the truth. So it's fine. But are we, are we a safe environment where people can tell their truths? It's not what you think it was, just saying. <laughs> if you, somebody maybe knows who I had coffee with. It's not what you think it was. <laughs> but are we a safe environment where people can tell their truths? Are we that place? Are we that sense of security? Are we that flavor of good coffee where people feel safe, secure, and can bring their whole life to you. That's an important thing for us to be. That's part of the flavor that we have to carry, is to be that. The truth, though, there's a place called in Cape Town called Truth Cafe. They sell the true coffee. But we have to tell the truth. Don't do fake coffee. Don't do instant. <laughs> do the real thing. Be the real flavor of God. So sometimes when we spend time together over a cup of coffee, tell the truth. With love. Lots of love. A little bit of truth. <laughs> but don't just drink coffee. Don't just hang out. We are called to speak into one another's lives. It becomes part of us when we drink it. It's, it's in us. It has an effect when you drink it. So have an effect on, on one another. When you sit together, if you see something in, in my life, invite me for a cup of coffee. Sit down with me. You know, Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, like, don't let anybody despise you for your age. Youth, guys. Don't let anybody sell you short for what your age is. If you see something in my life, invite me for a cup of coffee and sit down with me and say, I see this. It will be amazing to hear it because then I can change. Right? That's our place. That's our role in each other. To be part, to become part of one another and lead one another closer and closer to Jesus. And together, we would be that flavor to the world.
So forever, as you smell coffee, as you drink coffee, remember these things. To be a saint, to be a waiter, to be a member, one of the beans, and to be that flavor, that leader in each other's lives, that lead each other closer and closer to God. And if you only remember one, remember that one. (laughs) 